Uh, we turn now to uh, America's forgotten Guantanamo. Think President Obama's executive order calling for the closure of Guantanamo means that the U.S. will no longer torture or detain prisoners indefinitely? Think again. In late February 2009, just a couple of weeks ago, the Justice Department announced that it would adhere to the Bush administration's position that detainees imprisoned at a U.S. airbase in Afghanistan have no right to challenge their confinement in U.S. courts. On February 20th, Acting Assistant Attorney General Michael Hertz stated the position on Bagram as such, quote, having considered the matter, the government adheres to its previously articulated position, end quote. Uh, the approximately 650 prisoners in the Bagram prison are being held there indefinitely and without charge. Moreover, the prison is closed to journalists and human rights activists. Long dubbed the other Guantanamo, Bagram detainees lack the same privileges, such as regular access to lawyers. And worse, while the Guantanamo population has dwindled to about 245 detainees, Bagram has added more than 100 prisoners since 2005, according to the Defense Department. So what exactly is this history uh, of the Bagram detention facility? Why is the Obama administration so adamant that we restore the rule of law, yet silent when it comes to this other Guantanamo? And perhaps more importantly, what can listeners do to make a difference? Joining us this morning is Mona Cadena. She is the Deputy Director of the Western Regional Office for Amnesty International USA. Mona has comprehensive experience working on a range of human rights concerns, including the death penalty, custodial sexual misconduct, small arms and light weapons, which includes electroshock and stun weapons, uh, torture and terror, and women's human rights. Mona serves as one of the primary media spokespeople for the Western Regional Office, in addition to her extensive work with state, uh, state level uh, elected officials, city councils, commissions, and police departments across the country to pass and implement policy initiatives that promote and uphold human rights. Uh, Mona has a bachelor's degree in political science and a certificate in policy development from the University of Colorado Boulder, and she's done significant postgraduate work in international relations with a special focus in human trafficking, migration, and child soldiers from Trinity College. And uh, Mona joins us this morning from San Francisco or Oakland? Good morning. I'm in San Francisco this in, morning. In San Francisco. Thank you so much for joining us uh, bright and early. Uh, how are you this morning? I'm doing all right. All right. Well, let us uh, give some background to uh, Bagram Air Force Base. It seems that uh, it's kind of been uh, largely overshadowed by Guantanamo and uh, certainly everything that has been going on with the war in Iraq. So if you could begin by giving our listeners some background on uh, the Bagram detention facility. Sure. As you mentioned, you know, Bagram is a U.S. air base in Afghanistan, right near the ancient city of Bagram, and it is where the U.S. military does a lot of its primary staging, particularly for its Afghanistan work, and that is, a, is an air base that has been around since the days of the Soviets, and it's actually where the Soviets did a lot of their initial staging um, back, in the, back in the 70s. 
Um, but since the, the U.S. has you know, moved into military operations in Bagram, not only is it a staging facility for U.S. military forces, but it is also a detention center, as you mentioned. And there are more than 600 people who have been in Bagram. And, you know, we know that it took more than six years for the detainees in Guantanamo to even get habeas corpus, and there has been no movement at all on the detainees in Bagram. Um, with those three executive orders that were signed late in January, uh, they were vague enough that Amnesty International would have hoped that Bagram Detention Facility would have been included, but it's become very clear that Bagram is not included in those three executive orders that the president signed. Yeah, it's it's interesting. The To make sure listeners uh, have the background on, uh, it was, I think, January 22nd, there were uh, three executive orders signed by uh, Barack Obama. One of them committed his administration to closing the detention facility at Guantanamo Bay within a year, uh, and it directed officials to conduct an immediate review. Uh, another of the orders uh, took steps toward ending the use of secret detention and torture, and the third set up an interagency task force to review lawful options available with respect to apprehension, detention, and so forth. So... Why do you suppose that, uh, given the vagueness, or I don't want to say vague, but given the uh, the, the breathing room with which he, he constructed those executive orders, why is he silent on Bagram? You know, it's, it's a question that a lot of us have been asking. You know, I think Amnesty International absolutely welcomes these three executive orders, but, you know, at closer read, it's clear that there are definitely some loopholes uh, in all three of those executive orders, Bagram being one of them. You know, I think in the second executive order, there's a very clear um, CIA loophole for the CIA with the possibility of maybe being able to hold detainees at other foreign bases, other places outside the United States. So I think, you know, what's, you know, we often hear the phrase, the devil is in the details. I think that's very, very true of these executive orders. On face value, they're great, and it's a great first step for the administration. But in order to hold everyone accountable, we actually need to continue moving forward and asking for what we want and making sure that the administration is specific about how they're going to close Guantanamo and how they're going to move forward with not just Guantanamo but all the detainees around the world. So let's let's take uh, take a, a closer look at the uh, the facility uh, Bagram, which is in Afghanistan. Uh, when did the United States first start using it as a detention facility, and what is its connection to Guantanamo? I think that that's an important uh, link to be drawn as well. Sure, you know the the U.S. administration has been using Bagram as a detention facility since. I, if I, I was reading this last night, just shortly after uh, we were using, we started using Guantanamo. It's, you know, we were using both Guantanamo, Bagram, um, also sites in, in Iraq. So shortly after we, we moved into Afghanistan, we started using it. And in many cases, in those detainees, when you hold a detainee outside the United States, then it, it opens a real gray area for conditions under which you hold them, uh, conditions by which you treat them, and all of those kinds of issues. And, you know, I think another thing that's, that's important to look at is that it's, it's so much more out of sight and out of mind. Guantanamo, it's 90 miles from, from U.S. soil. 
uh, Bagram is in the, the middle of Af- Afghanistan, in the middle of military operations. And so I think it's very easy to, to frame it as a strategic opportunity for U.S. military forces to have a place in Afghanistan to hold what might, who might be considered enemy combatants. And it's interesting, uh, what, what I have from the report is that uh, we began using it in January 2002 as a stopover site. Um, yeah. And, and then, as you pointed out, it was, it was later that it, it, it became an endpoint in itself. But it, it initially began as a stopover site uh, to transport. Right, like a, a way station. To, yeah. to Guantanamo. So the idea of shutting down Guantanamo but not shutting down the... Uh, you know, the first stop along the journey is is really kind of like moving the goalposts, if you will. Right, and in the same way that having Bagram become its own detention center, I mean, I, I think, it, you know, we could certainly speculate about why that happened, um, but it's certainly clear that as the public started asking questions about about Guantanamo, fewer and fewer detainees were moved into, in, into Guantanamo, and particularly in the later years. I mean, more than 650 people are in Bagram right now. And as you said at the, at the top of the, when we started talking, is even in the last year we've seen significant increase in the number of detainees at Bagram. It seems that it's a very strategic choice of the previous administration to send individuals to Bagram, Bagram to keep them out of sight and out of mind. I want to remind listeners they're in tune to KUCI in Irvine. This is Justice or Just Us. We're speaking with Mona. Am I pronouncing your last name? Is it Kadena? That's good, yeah. Uh, from uh, Amnesty International, she's the deputy director of the Western Regional Office. We're talking about Bagram Air Force Base, and uh, listeners can check out uh, one of their newest reports, USA Out of Sight, Out of Mind, Out of Court, The Right of Bagram Detainees to Judicial Review. That is on uh, Amnesty's website. Um, you know, it, it's interesting that uh, when we talk about the fact that the numbers have gone down, uh, in Guantanamo, but that they've increased in, uh, in Bagram. Does this have anything to do with the shift, once again, of the war on terror to Afghanistan? What are your thoughts on that? I, I, I don't know. I think we've seen a steady increase in detainees to Bagram before we started to, to see a shift over to Afghanistan. I mean, I, I, I think you could certainly... It's probably the case that as we're putting more focus on Afghanistan, that's why there are more detainees there. But, I mean, I really, it seems that over the course of the last, you know, five years that Bagram has has become ramped up as, as one of the primary detention facilities for U.S. forces in the war on terror. One of the things that uh, listeners, I'm, I'm sure, are aware of, because we've covered Guantanamo extensively on this program um, one of the things I'm sure listeners are aware that the people who were, uh, and, and I guess are, still being housed in Guantanamo were just such a mishmash of, of individuals. The idea that they were the worst of the worst has largely been uh, discredited. While there might be some people who, uh, who are guilty, and, and we could pretty much be certain that, that there are at least a couple, uh, the idea that everyone in there was a terrorist um, is undermined by how the t- detainees were uh, were apprehended to begin with. Um, who is at Bagram, and uh, were they picked up in Afghanistan? Or, or tell, tell listeners about the population in Bagram, or what we know about the population. 
Well, what we know about Bagram is that of the detainees, the majority of them are Afghan nationals. Um, there are individuals of other nationalities, but it is primarily Afghan, Afghan nationals who are being held in, in the detention facility. We know that they haven't had access to courts or legal counsels, and many, just as Guantanamo, have been held for years. And also, in the same way that we saw individuals, uh, children, being uh, taken to Guantanamo, um, it's the same thing. We're, we're seeing children in Bagram Air Base as well. And it, I'm reading from the uh, report, Out of Sight, Out of Mind. It says uh, they've never actually been a, a homogenous or homogeneous group but they're, they're individuals from different nationalities, although the majority might be uh, Afghan nationals. They've been picked up from a variety of locations and in different circumstances, including in faraway countries and situations other than armed conflict. Um, oh. And then it goes on to talk about cordon uh, and sweep operations. Uh, what exactly does that mean? Well, a cordon and sweep operation is really an operation that could be coordinated with or without the U.S. government and where uh, military forces, whether it's U.S. military forces or, the, or that country's military forces, are doing an operation often labeled in the interest of national security. Um, and as we know from the last uh, administration, when you invoke the term national security, it, uh, it provides a lot of leeway for police forces and military forces to contravene human rights. And so those kinds of sweeps happen, um, happen fairly consistently. And it's really, it could be because there is some kind of information from a government no, saying that this person is conducting terrorist activity. Or it could be, as we have seen in the past, governments invoking the label of national security to go in and target individuals who they might consider to be uh, threatening. So when we keep hearing that, that these facilities hold the worst of the worst, I mean, that's yet to be determined, isn't it? If, if they've never had their day in court, how could we even make such allegations? It's absolutely yet to be, to be determined. And as you mentioned with Guantanamo, that's what we've been told over and over and over, the worst of the worst, the worst of the worst. But it's becoming more and more clear that while there certainly might be individuals there who have committed crimes, the vast majority of them um, are certainly not. It not are uh, not the worst of the worst, and the idea that, that the only place that we could uh, we could hold these people uh, is uh, either you know a Guantanamo or a Bagram or other secret uh, detention facilities uh, is uh, undermined by the fact that uh, the, the terrorists responsible for uh, the ninety <laughs> was it ninety three attack of the World Trade Center is sitting in a supermax prison here in the United States. So certainly right. we're able to, or, you know, or, or the, the Timothy McVeighs who were, were housed here in the United States, certainly um, the idea, uh, I mean, if Saddam Hussein got a trial, there's no reason why uh, these other individuals shouldn't be given a trial and, sh and um, should be denied access to courts. Right. And, you know, when it comes right down to it, when you have someone at a place like uh, Bagram or Guantanamo or any of the secret uh, detention sites around the world, it makes it, 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 it provides a case where there's a, an extreme lack of judicial review. Um, and there's, and we know that judicial review is, is a big safeguard against human rights abuses. And when they're so far away, and when they're put behind closed doors, when we're not talking about them, it's very easy um, to, to not allow those individuals judicial review, especially when, when, as the previous administration has done, it classifies them into 
you know, um, classify them as enemy combatants, which is not a legal term inside international law. It's essentially creating this whole legal black hole for all these individuals. So what are some of the uh, the suspected or known uh, human rights abuses that have been taking place uh, at Bagram uh, Air Base, particularly between 2002 and 2005? The same things that we see at Guantanamo are the same things that we suspect are going on at Bagram. So not only lack of judicial review, um, but we know that people are being held in secret and arbitrarily. Uh, torture, ill-treatment, and other unlawful transfers. So um, extra uh, renditions for individuals being sent, whether it's to Bagram or from Bagram to other places around the world who the United States government knows uh, will torture detainees. So everything we're seeing at Guantanamo, we're seeing at Bagram. Uh, and and that is that is why you know, a lot of people consider it, you know, the other Guantanamo or the forgotten Guantanamo because it's 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 really Guantanamo replicated replicated in Bagram Air Base. Right, the forced nudity and and all of the other kinds of uh, stunts that right, that have Solit- made- yeah, solitary confinement, sensory deprivation, all of that is happening. Now. Uh, neither one of us are lawyers, as, uh, as far as I know. I know I'm not. So uh, I, uh, I'm going to tread very, very lightly here and uh, <laughs> caution our listeners that uh, uh, this is such a, a legal nightmare. But um, there are those who claim, uh, and, and, and perhaps rightly so, that uh, today Bagram is being jointly operated uh, with the consent of uh, the government of Afghanistan. Does that change the, the, the rights granted to uh, detainees? Not from Amnesty International's perspective. You know, regardless of who is operating in detention facilities, those detained deserve the full spectrum of their human rights while they're being detained. So regardless of who's the boss, judicial review is imperative. Not violating human rights is imperative. Right, and and uh, certainly habeas corpus is uh, a right that extends uh, beyond mere governments, but to uh, it's it's a universal right as recognized by all of the different conventions on international human rights and so forth. Um, and yet, but in terms it, of U.S. law, you're you're asking? Well, just no. I mean, just does it change? Uh, you know, sh- sh- is that a um, a fair defense by those who defend uh, maintaining Bagram. You know, that, well, wait a second, this isn't just a U.S. operation. It's being operated with the consent of the Afghanistan government, and therefore, you know, it's not the right of the Obama administration or a Justice Department under the Obama administration to tinker with it. Sure, sure. Well, I think Amnesty International would say that uh, that that's not an actual defense. Um, you know, we do know that habeas corpus petitions have been filed on behalf of four detainees who have been at Bagram, and they're still pending before a U.S. district court. Hmm. Uh, one of the things that, that to me is just so remarkable and, and I suppose so disappointing uh, about the, uh, the, the position or lack of a position, it seems, uh, with regard to uh, the Obama administration and Bagram is that... Uh, the Justice Department was given an opportunity yes. to, to file with the court 
a change in policy? That's a little confusing. Could you, uh, to the best of your ability, explain to listeners exactly what transpired uh, in the past couple of months and uh, how, how pretty much the Obama administration was, was given an opportunity uh, from the courts to, to take a position on Bagram and how they balked? Yes. So there's a federal judge who's involved in some of the litigation concerning the Bagram detentions. And after the inauguration, the judge invited the administration to really tell him whether or not he would be, the administration would be taking a different approach than its predecessors, particularly on the question of whether the, the detainees have a right to challenge their detention in U.S. courts. Uh, a fair question by a federal judge who's uh, fully embroiled in the issue, and, you know, what we heard back from the administration was that, in fact, they were going to continue the previous administration's policies. And given a, an easy opportunity, I think everyone was disappointed to hear. Now, certainly Amnesty International is uh, a nonpartisan organization, and uh, to the better of, uh, of <laughs> society, but... Um, and so I don't know if you feel comfortable answering this, but it's to what extent do you think that this fits into that long pattern of the Democratic Party um, fearing the label of being uh, being doves rather than hawks or soft on issues of international affairs? Oh, that's a really interesting question. Um, the political scientist is me. <laughs> okay, fascinated so by that question. <laughs> so you could step out of the role of amnesty spokesperson for a second, and uh... okay. <laughs> I mean, I I think that's absolutely a fair question, and you know, even the the way that the Democratic Party has consistently been been framed as that, and not just as does from the international level, but all the way down to being soft on crime. Um, so it could be that. You know, it's thought that this might be an easy way to sort of maintain some muscle in that, okay, we, you know, we are holding some bad people. You know, we are doing, we are moving forward. Um, but I think it's absolutely a fair question. I mean, I, I'm not sure what the answer is. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's almost that with every, uh, you know, with, with every gain, there's, there's a, you know, a footnote or, or an exception clause that, that makes it, uh, it makes yeah. the administration able to play it safe, to be exactly, able to, you yeah. know, that, that they're so firmly planted in the center with one foot in the left and one foot in the right, but uh, maybe... Right. I mean, it could be sort of, you know, a little bit of the political Machiavelli inside them, trying to, to figure out that what, what is the right, what is the right balance to walk, to make, make progress, but also to, you know, be able to continue and, you know, be reelected in four years even. But, I, yeah, it's a... It's a tricky... Yeah, it's a tricky one. <laughs> well, uh, so, um, as we get close to wrapping up, what is the law? And, again, we're not attorneys, but um, if we could speak, you know, generally, uh, what is the law of prisoners of war or, or combatants or, or whatnot, um, people detained during, uh, during times of war or in a war zone? Sure. Well, uh, the, the law for prisoners of war is actually held in international law under the Geneva, Con the Geneva Conventions. And the Geneva Conventions really out outline all of the different ways in which prisoners of war must be treated. So both on the, on the level of treatment 
and, and the Geneva Conventions are detailed enough that they even identify how many cigarettes a, a, a detainee has to get every day. So, and then through food and treatment, etc. But then they also go on to talk about that there must be access by outside observers, so someone like a Red Cross who can go in and provide independent um, medical care as needed, if needed, by detainees. And um, the detainees do also, or the Geneva Conventions do also provide that individuals do need to have, um, they need to know why they're there, and they need to have at some point access to their to their foreign governments. So the Geneva Conventions are pretty clear about how uh, prisoners of war need to be treated. But as we know, with the, the when the U.S. government claimed them as as enemy combatants, they essentially put the entire body of the Geneva Conventions in question by saying these people are, are enemy combatants. They're not actually prisoners of war, so they don't quite fit under the the, the, the conditions of the Geneva Convention. Yeah, it, it, the, I think the quote was, uh, I don't know if it was Rumsfeld who referred to the Geneva Conventions as quaint. Yes, yes. <laughs> which, which, well... <laughs> Uh, you know, I think that's what we would call chutzpah, but... Uh, you know. <laughs> Certainly for a body of international law that's been around for decades. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was just, I mean, could, could it get me, you know, we laugh about it now, but it's it's really uh, not funny. Well, what are, what are Amnesty International's recommendations for uh, the U.S. detentions in Afghanistan? Well, our uh, recommendations for detentions in Afghanistan are really the same as our detentions, uh, our, our recommendation for Guantanamo. You know, we want to see these facilities closed. And by closing, it means that people need to be, be charged and tried in a fair court. They need to have their day. They need to have their day. While we are moving towards the, towards the closing of those facilities, they need to have access to uh, medical care, they need to have access to their attorneys, they need to have access to their families, uh, and they also need to have access to their foreign consular officials. Uh, there's a long list of, of recommendations that we have. You can find all of them on our website. And we also are, ha have a call that we're asking for an in independent inquiry of uh, in, an independent inquiry to look at human rights abuses as a result of the war on terror, particularly in the Bush administration. So that would include not just Guantanamo, but Bagram and all the other secret detention sites around the world. And do we know how many of these other sites there are? That's, we don't know. We don't know. Amnesty International was doing some uh, satellite work where we were passing satellites over various uh, parts of the world and trying to take pictures. The, the thing about secret detention sites is that they're usually put up in a way that they can be taken down very quickly. So you might identify a secret detention site in one area and then it could be gone several weeks later because that's the idea is that they're secret and they, get, and they can be moved at will. Hmm. And I think one of the important things, uh, you know, I was driving in this morning, I uh, heard NPR do a story about uh, Guantanamo and uh, concern that as uh, countries now begin to accept some of the Guantanamo detainees that they not be held uh, indefinitely uh, in the domestic criminal courts of the, the host country so that if someone is released into the custody of the government of uh, Hickville 
uh, not to pick on any real Hookvilles out there, but <laughs> that, um, as I know there are, um, that they not simply be held uh, indefinitely in a domestic criminal court. And so certainly uh, whatever happens with the detainees in Guantanamo or Bagram or elsewhere, it's important that uh, listeners continue to monitor uh, right. the, the issue. Uh, finally, if you could tell our listeners a bit about uh, some of the other things that uh, Amnesty is working on, perhaps particularly here in the state of California, hint, hint, nudge, nudge, um, <laughs> and uh, give information about the website and calls to action and so forth. Sure. Well, Amnesty International works on the full range of human rights issues. So, you know, uh, in addition to our work on uh, Guantanamo and counter and, and human rights abuses in the war on terror. We've got, uh, we're in the middle of a Stop Violence Against Women campaign, so you can find actions on our website about the International Violence Against Women Act, and also we currently have an action on Congo, if any of you have been following what's been going on in the Congo. Um, we also are working on some state-level death penalty abolition that you should be able to find on our website. There's a death penalty abolition bill in New Mexico that's moving, also Montana and Colorado which is very exciting. But in the state of California, we're very excited to be partnering with um, uh, Equality California and uh, California Marriage Equality on, on the, the Prop 8. As many of your, of your listeners probably know, today the California Supreme Court is hearing the legal challenge for Proposition 8. And so we actually were part of the demonstrations and vigils all around the state last night. Um, Article 16 of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights very clearly puts the issue of uh, non-discrimination uh, in, into, into the fore, and that includes the issue of marriage for everybody. So we're very excited to be uh, participating in this work and really hope to see that California will be you know, one of those states that allows everyone to marry. And it's certainly an issue that we have covered here on this program, uh, so we will stay tuned on that. Finally, uh, what is the website should listeners want uh, to access all of these documents and calls to action? The website is amnestyusa.org, and you'll be able to access all of this information and more. And I would encourage everyone to check out the Action Center. It's the online Action Center, and you can go, and any online actions that we have, people will be able to take, and you can take, you know, a, a number of actions within the, the, the space of about 15 minutes. So it's a really great and easy way to, to make an impact. So, the, so there's no excuse to not make an impact. <laughs> no excuse. It's really a point and click. And once you get yourself all set up, it's even, it's even easier. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Mona Cadena, I want to thank you so much for joining us so early in the morning for you. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Take care.